Thank you, Pastor. It's, it's an honor and a little bit intimidating doing a series with Pastor. His introductory remarks are better than my entire message. <laughs> um, it's, it's also an honor and intimidating to teach on the Holy Spirit. I was, um, I was a boy when I encountered the Holy Spirit and radically changed my life. And I wasn't a boy, I was a young man, but it was as if I was a boy in, in the thanks of God. And um, scripture changed for me. Um, worship music changed to me. Um, just prayer changed. And this morning, I just want to take, it's just going to be a few minutes, um, which is preacher talk for nothing, um, to just kind of introduce who is Holy Spirit. Who is Holy Spirit? And I'm going to maybe confuse you at the beginning because we're going to go to some Old Testament verses actually in Psalms 51. So if you have your Bible with you, you can go ahead and turn back to Psalm 51. And uh, let me, here's what Jesus says about the Holy Spirit. This is in, in John 14, 16. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. This is what the Message Bible says. It says, I will talk to the Father, and he will provide you another friend, so that you will always have someone with you, and that friend is the spirit of truth. Listen to the King James Version. It says, and I will pray to the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. And if it took a few minutes, and, and most of you, you already know this, the Holy Spirit, these, these words and these different um, uh, translations of the Bible, we have advocate, friend, comforter, helper, we have all these different counselor, all these different descriptions for the Holy Spirit, and it's all rooted in that Greek word that says paracletor, paracletos, and, and that word means that. It means teacher, and it means advocate, and it means counselor, and it means comforter, and I'm sure you've heard that in church. I'm sure you've heard that taught, and it's 100% accurate. That is who the Holy Spirit is. But there is a, another meaning that means he is the one called to you. Yes, he's the comforter. Yes, he's the counselor. Yes, he's the helper. Yes, but he's the one called individually to you. He's called to you to walk beside you. And not just really to go where you go, but to guide you where you ought to go or to guide you to be the thing that God's created you to be, to be the person that God has created you to be. And I believe that as a church, that if we will welcome, if we will give opportunity, or if we will make it a mandate, that Holy Spirit, we want you to guide and direct us, that um, we'll have the type of fruit and results and growth and life change. You know, we sing songs that say, Spirit of God, come. And um, let your glory fall. And, and, and I know there's a side of us that can say, um, by the way, I don't think Nick knew that we were starting the service today, but his songs were right on. I mean, they were just dialed in right on today. Um, and, you, and you think, well, what does that mean? Does the Holy Spirit just come for a few minutes because we sing and ask him? And, and then he goes, no, he's supposed to be right here with us. But when we sing Holy Spirit come, I think what we're really singing is everything that happens when you're here, Holy Spirit, let that come down. It's when Jesus stood up and he opened the scroll and says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me. 
and here's what's going to happen. And yes, he's with you, and yes, he's your helper, and yes, he's your counselor, but I think we have to We have to just get the list out and really explore through Scripture. And I think we can explore in the Old Testament. Stay with me. We can explore in the life of David who the Holy Spirit is, who the Holy Spirit meant to him, and who the Holy Spirit can be to us. Psalms 51, I'm going to start in verse 10. Create in me a pure heart, O God. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. Verse 11 is your highlight scripture in your Bible. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. When Ron and I first got married, we had absolutely nothing but love. (laughs) I mean, we owned nothing. Our first apartment was maybe a third of the size of this stage, and we had to find a furnished apartment because we didn't have, we didn't have a couch, we didn't have a television, we didn't have, we didn't have a mattress. I mean, we had, we had nothing. So we found this little furnished apartment, and uh, a few months later, we got our first place, and um, all of our furniture then were hand-me-downs. And I remember our first couch, uh, some of you might have had a couch like this that you didn't just put a blanket there in case someone got cold, they could grab the blanket. The blanket did the best to disguise that ugly couch you had in your living room. And uh, I miss that couch so much. <laughs> and I, <laughs> I'm sure it got burned, or I, I, we probably had a big party when we got rid of it. But we had that couch. It was about this big, and um, it had a blanket on it at all times. And it was so annoying if you had company over and they'd sit on it, and a blanket would kind of push down a little bit. And you're like, please don't turn around and see what that couch really looks like. Don't, don't turn around and... And we saved and we suffered through that ugly couch. And, and I remember when we bought um, our first real couch. And Ronan wanted a white leather, I can't call it a couch, white leather sofa. This is what she wanted. She wanted a white leather sofa. And we got it and um, got delivered to her house. And um, this white leather couch. Now, we didn't have kids yet. So having white leather was okay. And we got this couch. And so we had this this nice, beautiful couch. It took us, uh, I don't think I'm exaggerating, I think it took us years. Uh, It's one of the first things we bought, but it took us years to buy it. And we bought this couch and put it in our living room, and of course it made everything else look really old. And guys, you know how that goes. That's a trap. Uh, But anyhow, we had this new couch. And I remember one day I got home from work, and and I walked in the house, and I I sat on that couch, and Ronan wasn't there yet. I'm like, man, this is a great couch. This, This is so comfortable. And and I sat on it, kind of moved around, and I sat on the other side, and, and just kind of leaned into that couch, and, and I could hear her key on the door, and she opened the door, and she says to me, what are you doing? And you, we were still newlyweds, and so there's no telling what I had done wrong, and, um, which is a pattern that continues to repeat ours. <laughs> and I, I'm just sitting on the couch, and I'm like, what did I, what did I do? What did, guys, you just... And so your first words are, oh, I'm so sorry. You're right. I'm so sorry. And she's like, Joe, get off that couch. And I look around the room and I'm like, we only have a couch. We, there's nothing else to sit on. What? She's like, you don't sit on that couch. Don't sit on that couch. I'm like, Ronan, we, we waited. We saved 
You took me all over the city and found it. And then we get it, and I'm not allowed to use it. I'm not allowed. And she said, that couch is for company. It's for, I'm like, well, we don't have a secondary couch. (laughs) There's not another chair. Um, Oh, Robin, I hope this is coming out okay. Guys, I feel like I'm going to be in a small degree of trouble after this. (laughs) And we had this thing that was, to us, it was priceless. It was beautiful. It was great. But we weren't allowed to use it. And I fear that some of us, and maybe some young people in here, that's how we treat the Holy Spirit. It is this beautiful, priceless. Now, I say gift, and that's inaccurate. A beautiful, priceless God. The Holy Spirit is God. And for whatever reason, there's a degree of shame or, or fear or self or pride And we're like, I know the Holy Spirit is there, but it's just maybe for special occasions. It's just maybe if we're having a revival or a longer service, or it's not really a part of my life. And I want to encourage you to move beyond that. David saw the Holy Spirit as the one who placed him where he was. I am who I am because of the Holy Spirit. It is the Spirit of God. Our nation is what it is because of the Spirit of God. This is what David understood. He said, I killed Goliath because of the Spirit of God. It's not by my own might. It's not by my own power, but by the Spirit, these things are accomplished. And um, so I just want to show you through this psalm and a few verses in John who the Holy Spirit is. Number one, the Holy Spirit is a perfect teacher. The Holy Spirit is is a perfect teacher. Psalms 51.10, Create in me a pure heart, O God. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. The Message Bible says this verse like this. I love how it words this. It says, God, make a fresh start in me. Shape a Genesis week from the chaos of my life. Just, just start all over. You know, it took you six days of creation. God, do one of those Genesis week things in the chaos of my own life. Just completely start over. A, a more simple translation of these verses is create me new. Just, just make me new. I know many of us in here this morning, we wish that something would change. Maybe a situation at work. Maybe you're saying, I, I, I need a new job. Or maybe you're saying, what, what I really need, I, I, I need a new car. Or some of you are saying, I just, I need, I need something new. I need, but how often do we say, God, create me new. God, God, make me new. That is the work of the Holy Spirit. First is to create something new. He is right now in the process of teaching you something. And sometimes that lesson is learned through pain. Sometimes that lesson is learned through suffering. Sometimes it's learned through brokenness. Sometimes, thankfully, it's learned in the classroom, which we prefer. But the fruit at the end is worth it. And there is, I was reminded of our Kansas City Royals this morning when I saw our worship team all wearing the blue. I don't know if you caught up on that. And um, thinking of the 80s, there's a movie um, from the 80s that uh, I, sh- I shared with my oldest son, the Karate Kid. 
And in that movie, there's one of the early scenes is when um, the young boy meets Mr. Miyagi and he uh, starts to train him. And he trains in these ridiculous ways. He hands him a paintbrush and um, he has him paint, I think, his entire house. And, and then he has them, I think he's sanding a deck or something like that. And then he's waxing this, this old car. And there's finally the scene in the movie where, where this young boy just yells at Mr. Miyagi. He just yells at him. He's like, what are you doing? You're wasting my time. I'm not learning anything. I'm painting your house. I fixed your, fixed your deck. I, you know, waxed your car. And, and then Mr. Miyagi says, put everything down. And he says... He says, paint house. And he's like, paint house. And he shows him, there's your first move. And he, and he says, wax car, wax on, wax off. And how the whole time what he had been learning to do was actual karate moves. The whole time he felt like he was doing the mundane things, the time he felt like he was wasting his time, actually he was in a process of learning the very thing he wanted to know. You know, your significance is not based on, on where you're at in life. It's not based on what you've accomplished. It's based simply on this. Am I led by the Spirit of God? It's not what have I accomplished in life, not what have I done, not what have we done, not what we've accomplished as a church, but are we led by the Spirit of God? That's our place of significance. Are we learning and being taught by the Holy Spirit. David knew this very well. One day, he's delivering Jimmy John's to the battlefield. He's bringing the sandwiches to the guys in battle. David, in that moment, is full of the Spirit of God, but he's a delivery man. And you have these mighty men of war with swords, shields, whatever weapons, on the battlefield, hundreds if not thousands of them, but they don't have the spirit of God. And they stand there and every day they're mocked by their enemy. And David hears this. See, David understands that having nothing sometimes is okay if you have the spirit of God. As long as I have you, God, as long as your presence is with me, as long as you're with me in this situation. See, I don't know what situation you're facing. There's no way I know. There's Most of us are facing things the person beside us doesn't even know. But right now, he is actively speaking, guiding, and directing you in the midst of your storm. The second thing about the Holy Spirit is he is a mighty advocate. In verse 11, the next thing David says, maybe one of the most powerful scriptures that David ever penned. He says, do not cast me from your presence. Do not take your Holy Spirit from me. The background in Psalms 51 is that David has been caught in sin. He's had this affair. He plots the murder of her husband. Thinks he gets away with it all. Deceives everyone around him. And then a prophet of the Lord comes and says, that discourse that you are the man, you are this deceiver, you are the one who stole, you are the one who murdered. And so David pens Psalms 51 after he has that conversation with prophet Nathan. And in this prayer, before David says, let me keep the throne. God, I'm sorry, but please let me remain as king. It's not what he says. He doesn't say, God, I know I've sinned and I'm sorry. The first 10 verses are full of him pleading and asking God for forgiveness. 
But here, he doesn't say, let me keep my family or let me keep my wealth or, or let it just stay in private. Let, let me keep my name. Let me keep a degree of recognition. It's not what he says. The first thing he says, whatever you do, however you have to punish me, I receive it, but don't take the Holy Spirit from me. I mean, you can have it all. Have the throne, have the money, have the recognition. I just, God, I still have the Holy Spirit. And the reason David knows this is because he knows his predecessor. He knows the person who was king before him. He knows that he gave up the spirit of God, that he took the opinion of others. He took the ideas of his own. He took the works of the flesh and made that a higher priority than listening to the Holy Spirit. And David says, I've seen that as a boy. I've seen him tormented. I've seen the destruction of his kingdom. I've seen his family split because he gave up the spirit of God. That's the first thing he says. Don't let that be me. There are things I believe that you can accomplish on your own, but they will always be perishing. Everything man creates perishes everything. But everything God creates endures. Everything he creates endures. Your loving kindness is everlasting in Psalms 136 too. God's love endures forever, Psalms 105. The plans of the Lord stand firm forever, Psalms 33, 11. And I believe there are things that God has put in your heart to do that you can't accomplish. Sounds tormenting at first. There are things in your heart. There are dreams that you've had. There are things you want to do and you can't do it. Except the spirit of God. As a church, there are things that we as a church, we want to accomplish and we want to do. And guess what? We can't do it on our own. But by the spirit, but by the spirit and, and what we see and the vision we have and the passion is only a part of what God wants to accomplish anyways. Here's what the Holy Spirit advocates for, as he's called the advocate. When the spirit advocates in John 15, 26, he will testify about me. The Holy Spirit is a powerful advocate. And I wondered, like, advocate that's like pleading the case of what what is the holy spirit pleading the case of the cause of the cross the holy spirit is pleading the cause of the cross the holy spirit was there at creation there's a scripture in the old testament that says he hovers over his word to perform it. At Jesus' baptism, he descends like a dove. On the day of Pentecost, he, he came down and history was completely changed. Everything he does and advocates is to point us back at the cross. Jesus said that I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You can't access God but going through Jesus Christ. And the Holy Spirit says, you can't find Jesus Christ without me. 
And the third is that the Holy Spirit is your comforter. Now that Holy Spirit is comforter. I, there are times when you need comfort. And there are times when you need comforted. That's the beautiful thing about the word of God, that one scripture in the Bible can so change your life. And just one service or one encounter with God, how it can change your life. But this thing about being a comforter, there's another word that goes right along with it that I think helps us understand what that means when we say comforter. The Holy Spirit is the restorer. The Holy Spirit restores. Listen to Psalms 51, 12. David says, restore to me the joy of your salvation. Grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. And then later on, verse 18, here's what David says. Then I will teach transgressors your ways so that sinners will turn back to you. May it please you to prosper Zion to build up the walls of Jerusalem. Now I need to show you something that happened here. David started at the lowest point in his life. He is caught in everything that he's done. He goes before God and he confesses it. And then he says, God, you're probably going to take the kingdom from me. I'm probably going to lose my family. I'm going to lose my wealth. I'm going to lose my notoriety. But don't pull your Holy Spirit from me. And then a few verses later, I mean, it's six verses later. He says this, He says, teach transgressors through me. Teach transgressors your ways so that sinners will turn back to you. He looks at his broken life and this encounter with the Holy Spirit. And he says, God, in this place, win the lost. In this place, save the lost. In my brokenness, in my complete brokenness, he comes to God. And six verses later, he says, restore my nation for Zion, for Jerusalem. I mean, he starts with saying, I have nothing. Just let me hold on to the Holy Spirit. And six verses later, the transformation or the restoration of the Holy Spirit that happened in these verses, his prayer has completely changed. And he's saying, God, save the lost. God, restore our nation. God, send a revival to our land. Put back Jerusalem. You're like, what happened in these six verses? It is the restoration of the Holy Spirit. John 16, 7. But very truly, I tell you, it is good that I am going away. Most of us think that Jesus lied there. Jesus says, it is good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But when he comes, he will prove the world to be wrong about sin. That phrase would should mess with us a little bit. He's coming to prove the world wrong about sin. He didn't come to prove the world is in sin. He came to prove the world is wrong about sin. Righteousness and judgment. Sin because people don't believe in me. Righteousness because I'm going to the Father. And judgment because the enemy now stands condemned. Several years ago, uh, Jay's oldest son had just been born. Ron and I uh, were living just outside of Houston, Texas. We were on staff at a church there. And um, we had a heart to do some evangelism in our city. And there was a very 
poor community near our church. And we just started going on Saturdays. And we would set up a sound system and play Christian music. And um, we would just hand candy out to kids. And, and we would, um, just, just a group of about 10 or 15 people, we would just go door to door and, and uh, invite the kids to come out and play with them and give them a piece of candy and um, just share the love of God with them for a few minutes. And then we would pack up and leave. We didn't really know what we were doing at all. Um, we just wanted to love on that community. And um, I, I found a restaurant, a little corner of that town. I didn't know it was in my city. And um, it was called the Barbecue Shack. Um, and I feel like you feel about Kansas City Barbecue, but this Texas Barbecue, it was pretty good as well. And it was called the Barbecue Shack. And uh, one night my dad was visiting from out of town, and Ron and I said, hey, we've got to take you to this restaurant. It's, it's phenomenal. We've got to take you to this restaurant. And, and so we went. It was just Ron and I, uh, Jace as a baby, um, just a few months old, and my dad was with us. And went in this restaurant. It was late on a Saturday night. We were the only people in the restaurant except for, I think it was three employees were there. And um, we just started to eat, and uh, we had just sat down at our table. And Ron says to me in the most nonchalant way, she says, I think we're getting robbed. And as soon as she said that, um, a guy ran up to our table with a gun in hand and started yelling and screaming at us and looked up. And uh, there were actually three people in a restaurant that were robbing that restaurant. And uh, they had already, and I couldn't see it because my back was to it, they had already run up uh, to the registers and gotten money out. And um, they made us all get up and um, yelling. And this is the first time uh, I think my son had heard anyone yell, and Ron is holding him, and he's just screaming. And uh, two of the guys had guns, and um, they told us to go back to the kitchen. The other employees were the employees were there. Their hands were tied up, and um, they got us all together and uh, forced us in one of the rooms there. And I remember, I'll never forget Ron and praying in the spirit, um, holding my son. He's screaming uncontrollably. And Ronan is just praying in the spirit. And one of the guys who's robbing us at gunpoint says, that's a good idea. You ought to be doing that. And I didn't know what to do with that information. It's as if he wasn't in control either. And obviously we made it through that situation safely. The police came later. We gave a description, and all the gentlemen were caught, and um, I was talking to one of the police officers, and he said, what are, you, what, are you guys, what are you guys doing here? What made you come out late on a Saturday night to this restaurant? And he's like, this really isn't the best part of town, and um, I said, well, you know, I'm a minister at a local church here, and, and we come out on Saturdays, and we do some stuff with the kids, you know, in some of these um, you know, lower income, you know, houses and places here, you know, just really to kind of, you know, do something for him. And he said to me, he's like, yeah, you guys probably shouldn't be doing that. And um, that's what, like, the last thing he said to me, and then he started to do something else, and he walked away. And his words, like, echoed in me. Yeah, you probably shouldn't be doing that. The whole situation really shook up Ronan and I. She went uh, to go visit her family for several days, um, you know, took Jace with her, and um, I was home alone. And um, I'm going to confess that I wasn't such a tough guy. Uh, those days were some of the worst days of my life. I couldn't sleep at night. 
anytime I heard any sound, I, was, I would wake up afraid that something was about to happen. And it was the type of fear, and I hope you haven't had this kind of fear, that it wasn't like an idea. It wasn't like, oh, I'm afraid. It was like a real, tangible presence in my house. I mean, it was a real fear. And I don't know how to be much more descriptive about that. And I couldn't get it off me. I couldn't get away from it. I would walk in a store and I would be afraid. I'd get in my car and I would be afraid. I, everything I did, fear was all over me. And uh, did, didn't have a gun or anything. I would sleep with a golf club in bed with me. And, um, you know, I can't hit a golf club. I would not be able to defend myself if the situation came up anyways. But, and that provided nothing for me. I was just still afraid. And uh, I met with a pastor, and, and I said, you know, I'm going to I'm gonna have to apologize for, you know, taking all these kids into these communities. And, um, you know, it's, it's, I cannot believe that I did that. I was so naive to think we could go in this neighborhood and, and do these things. It was just ridiculous. And I was even embarrassed that I had done it. But in that time in my house when I was so afraid, there are times, and maybe you face that situation. Um, sometimes I hold Ella, my nine-month-year-old baby girl, and I don't even know what to pray over her. I don't even know what to say. Sometimes I'm just like, oh, Jesus. And that means every, I don't know what else to say, but just, first off, thank you. But Jesus, whatever you want to do in her life, um, tell me so I can help do that or help her to become who you've created her to be. And, and other times I don't even know to say Jesus is enough and I just, I just pray in tongues over her. Just kind of whisper it. Just put her cheek right by mine and, um, you know, maybe while she's going to bed or she wakes up in the morning and just kind of just real softly in her ear. Just, just I don't know why. It's meaningful to me. But in that time in my house, afraid by myself, a fear that I could not sleep at all, I could not function at all, I just started to call on the name of the Lord. And I had nothing else to do but just simply God, you've got to come. In complete fear, I'm like, God, you have to save me. God, you, you have to, and not the saved kind of like, God, save me. God, save me from this situation. I'm, I'm drowning in fear, and, and I, I don't know what to do, and you've got to come. And I remember when I met with some people to say, we're not going into that community anymore. We're not doing any of that stuff anymore. Um, they did not give me an opportunity to speak. They said, Joe, we, we've talked about it, and um, one of the people in our group who was helping lead it said, you know, I just, I just don't think what we're doing is really effective. And I was like, hey, this is, this is going to get canceled, and it's not going to be by me. And this person said, I think it would be much more effective if we bought a bus. And when we go into those neighborhoods, we have a bus, and we can take them and bring them to church with us on Sunday. And I was like, uh, um, uh, buses are really expensive, you know? I, and they're like, no, 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 no. I'm going to buy the bus. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. Oh, okay. And somebody else says, and that's not enough. We want to go out. We want to 
bus and bring them into church on Sunday, and then we want to do full breakfast for them. I mean, we want to treat these kids like they're royalty. When these kids come in on a Sunday morning, I mean, we want to shake their hands and pat them on the back and open the doors, and we want bacon and eggs and sausage and, man, it's lunchtime, and biscuits and gravy, and, and it's just for these kids. It's not, it's not for our people. It's, it's just, we want to treat these kids like absolute royalty. And I was thinking, I came here to kill the thing. I came here to cancel it all. But somebody else picked it up. Is that Holy Spirit. There are things that were in my heart to accomplish, but I was done. There were things that I wanted to see done, but I was like, I'm done. I, I can't do it. And yet the Spirit of God said, I'm not. And so they did that. They got that bus, bought that bus, <laughs> And the first week they went to pick up kids, had to go twice to pick up all the kids. And sure enough, people were lined up as kids come off that bus. They're patting them on the back and saying, it's so good to see you. And ladies in the church got to the church hours early and cooked a huge breakfast. And it was so funny to see people come in and say, oh, wow, we have a breakfast at church today. And those ladies would say, it's not for you keep moving. It's not for you. And people would peek in and see in the fellowship hall, this room full of kids eating breakfast at the church. Like, Spirit of God. One more story. A couple years ago, God had put it in Ron and I's heart to plant a church in downtown Kansas City. And I was with a couple people who were going to help us launch the church. And I was on the phone with a real estate agent. We were looking for a facility to rent. And I'm standing on a sidewalk in downtown Kansas City. I'm on the phone with a realtor. A guy comes up to us and pulls out a knife. And he tells us to give our money to him. Some of you guys are not wanting to hang out with me, are you? <laughs> and... As happened the time I was robbed at the barbecue restaurant, I didn't have any cash on me. I'm like the worst guy to rob, I guess. And I'm like, I, I'm on the phone with a realtor, and we're being robbed. And um, I split. While this person is in front of us with a knife, I don't know what happened to the conversation, but I just walked away. One of the other guys with me walked the other direction. And the other guy who was with us didn't get the message. He just stood there. And we went from three against one with no weapons to one on one. <laughs> and uh, we can laugh about it. You'll hear why at the end. And um, there I am, two blocks north in a matter of seconds. The other guy with me is two blocks south. And the third guy is just standing there. And now I'm watching and I'm thinking, oh my goodness. Now I have a cell phone in my hand. I don't think to call the police or anything, but I have a cell phone in my hand and I'm watching the situation take place. And I watch as this person continues with this knife, just holding it in his face. And the guy reaches out his hand, takes the knife and, and folds it, and then gives it back to the guy. And then he wraps his arms around the guy and hugs him. And this guy's walking away and drops something that he has. And, and the guy who was just getting robbed says, no, 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 let me get that for you. And he's picking up and he's handing it to him. And I'm like, what in the world just happened? And so then I run and I'm like, Hey, I got to know what just happened here. And he's like, where did you go? <laughs> and I'm like, no, 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 don't worry about that. Tell me what just happened. And he said, the guy just needed a couple bucks. 
I said, hey, if you need a couple bucks, put your knife away. I'll give you two or three dollars. That's all I have. Put your knife away. When he put his knife away, I gave it to him and I hugged him. And I said in his ear, hey, you're better than this. God has a plan for your life. Much more spiritual than me running. And I, I don't know why I didn't put the two and two together. But it was on that very sidewalk where we were standing that two weeks later we signed a lease and planted a church in that same exact position that we had been robbed two weeks earlier. On that same exact location that fear came in, I split. I confess to you this morning. And one of the most beautiful things I ever saw in my life happened. It was that sidewalk where we held services and saw people come to the Lord every week. And listen, there is something real against you. There is something real between what God has for us and where we're at right now. And maybe it's, it's really tangible. Maybe for you, it's like finances. You're like, this financial situation, it seems like it's not going to let up. And that seems to be the thing between you and God, or maybe you and hope, or you and peace, or you and joy. It's like this financial situation has to change. Maybe it's a health situation. And you're like, I I prayed and I believed and I went to the doctor and I just, I can't even take it anymore. I I can't continue. Maybe it's a situation I could never cover, just losing, losing a loved one and not knowing why. I was on the phone with a minister I deeply respect. And he asked me a tough question and, He said, I just don't know why then. If I just don't know why. And I was like, I don't either. And maybe that's what it is for you. You're facing a situation. You're like, I can't make sense of it. But there's another aspect to this. There there is a mission for you. And whether you're a single mom and everything feels like a struggle every day, And you want to say that verse that we looked at earlier, redo creation all over for me. I mean, create something brand new. Maybe you're in here and you're just saying, I've had hopes and I've had dreams, but it didn't come to pass. It it didn't happen. But I believe as a church as well, there are things that we're out to accomplish that we can't accomplish on our own. So like David, we say, Don't pull your Holy Spirit from us. Though I'm in fear, maybe in your situation, and though the promise seems so far away, whatever happens, don't pull your Holy Spirit from us because it's the Holy Spirit that gets us to the cross. And it's the cross of Jesus Christ that makes everything beautiful. It's the cross of Jesus Christ that restores everything and everyone Colossians 1.20, all the broken and dislocated, dislocated piece of the universe, people, things, animals, and atoms, they get properly fixed and fit together in vibrant harmonies, all because of his death, his blood that poured down from the cross. We stand up this morning. I want to say a prayer over you, and then I want to invite you to come up for prayer as well. This is just introductory stuff, obviously, this morning on the Holy Spirit, but to see the Holy Spirit as a perfect teacher, to see him as your advocate, 
See him as the one who continually points you to the cross. When you feel like you've messed up, he points you to the cross. When you feel like you're being attacked, he points you to the cross. And then lastly, he is the ultimate restorer. Every broken and dislocated thing is in a process of being restored. There is a restoration process. And God doesn't just restore stuff and fix them back together. That's not even an accurate description of what he does. He takes nothing and makes it something. He does this beautiful thing that you can't even identify the pain and hurt that it took. It almost seems completely distant. It almost seems like, of course it was worth it. What a ridiculous question. And so whatever we're going through, the restoration process may be difficult, but he's in the process of doing something beautiful in your life. Holy Spirit, we, we honor you today. Holy Spirit, we welcome you.